Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name's Chris, and I'm joined as ever by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Hey, yeah. All right. Hey, yeah. How's right. it going? You all right? Yeah, you're Alan. right. <laughs> That's the Stumbling. most, like, regionally specific we've ever been on this show. Uh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Alan. What a How's great intro. Sorry, I feel like I've, I've derailed us immediately. An intro Carry for on. ages right there. <laughs> uh, we're, we're here to preview the United States Grand Prix. I'm going to put some shrimps on the barbie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the United States Grand Prix. Well, you're just going to completely steal my preamble joke there, are you, Stu? <laughs> Stu has no shame. You should know this by now. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, we will do the preview bits in a little while, but we've got a few newsy bits to do. I say a few, it's pretty low level. Well, there's, there's some interesting stuff in there. So, as we have discussed before, the new rule to run two young drivers in FP1 sessions is a rule that a lot of teams are fast running out of races to fulfill. <laughs> uh, McLaren have now announced that they are going to be running Alex Pillow in... Austin this weekend, going to be taking Ricardo's car, and then they're going to be running Pato Award in Norris's car in Abu Dhabi, which is pretty cool to have two, well, not only two current IndyCar drivers, but the 2021 champion running in an F1 session. That is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we. I'm trying to think if we... Um. He already knew about him coming, or was it always a rumor? I think Award was confirmed. like, yeah, I think Award was sort of as good as confirmed for Abu Dhabi, but um, Polo is very much new news. Um, I, I guess the side news to this as well is that it basically confirms that Alpine aren't going to be releasing Piastri early, because otherwise McLaren yeah. would absolutely have him in one of the cars. Um, but yeah, it's so, going to be interesting to see how they get on. Uh, I think it's a shame that Herter didn't get one of the spots because obviously Herter is also part of the McLaren program and it would maybe have been a fun uh, middle finger to the FIA to have him do an FP1 session and do well. But then I hmm. guess that would be McLaren kind of fighting Red Bull's corner up to a point, wouldn't it? So you can hmm. maybe see why they didn't go down that route. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's going to be many people fighting Red Bull's corner in the next few weeks. Mm. <laughs> or months. Well, definitely or not other teams. Ever again. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be cool to see how they get on. Uh, excited to see that. Um, at, at this rate, half the grid is going to be young drivers for FP1. We've also got uh, Teo Porcher has been confirmed to be driving for Alfa Romeo. Um, nice. He's, yeah, he's very much a future F1 talent, so excited to see how he does. Logan Sargent for Williams, which we've already talked about. And then Robert Schwartzman is going to be the first person to ever drive a Ferrari in a official F1 session that isn't one of their race drivers this weekend, which is crazy. kind that's of wild. so crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of expecting more are going to get announced on this young driver list in the next few days before the race weekend. But we also know Hass are doing... Um, Mexico and Abu Dhabi, they're having Pietro Fittipaldi. Felipe Drogovic is doing Abu Dhabi for Aston Martin. 
Then we've got Mercedes, Red Bull, Alpha Terry, and Alfa Romeo have still got one young driver slot to fill. And we have no idea who they're going to be. And Alpine, awkwardly, still have both of their slots to be done. I can only assume they were planning for Piastri to do both of those. So at this point, I have, I guess, Jack Doohan's going to do them, probably. I'd guess so. That That's the first name that jumps to mind, anyway, in terms of who's next in line. It must be. For that. Yeah. Sort of an awkward corner they've got themselves backed uh, into there. Could could DeFreeze still do Alpha Tauri's other one? Um, Technically. I think he could, yeah. couldn't he? Yeah, he could. Because he's not he's not had enough race time or anything to be considered a non- No, he's only done one driver. Race. So yeah, there's so a good chance he'll do that actually. That kind of solves that problem. And as Sarah in the chat pointed out, Alfa Romeo don't have to do a second one because they very cleverly counted uh, Grand Joe's first race of the season as one of their young driver runs. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, interesting to see who gets the rest of those. Um, couple of other bits. I guess the Logan Sargent running this weekend kind of leads into who is going to get the next Williams seat. Um, Dave Robson, who's their head of vehicle performance, said some interesting stuff in an interview this week. He said... We need someone who will push Alex along or will be fighting with him every race, ideally. Someone who is after similar traits from the car. Um, we'll see where we go, but what we want to do is have two competitive cars pushing each other into Q2, Q3 and beyond. All of which sounds like a roundabout way of saying not a rookie, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, isn't that what every team wants? <laughs> it's, it's a bit <laughs> yeah. of a redundant statement, I suppose. Yeah. Pretty but, much. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes sense. We know that... Um... Uh, Latifi's not really got the goods. It's questionable whether Albon's really even got the goods, I think, given the performance of um, De Vries in that car. So um, it's they just need to get the best driver they can in that car. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, forget all the pay drivers, forget all that silliness. I think they'll be much better off. I think the car is better than, than it is being driven at the moment. And mm-hmm. I think... They're abs- and this shows. I think this tells you that they're absolutely. They must be absolutely desperate to get someone really, really as just absolute. Someone who's absolutely able to maximize the car. Yeah. Because I don't feel like that's what they've got in either of their drivers at the moment. I mean, when's the last time you could say Williams had a driver pairing that were maximizing what their car could do? <laughs> Massa and Stroll. <laughs> yeah, maybe no, Massa and Bottas. Master and Bottas. Bottas yeah, long time ago. But it, Chris is going to hate me, but even Bottas, I don't believe Bottas gets the maximum. I mean, he's proven to not be able to get the maximum out of the Formula One car because he's gone up against. I think I think he did at Williams. Someone though, who can because they were they were solidly on the podium regular at that point. I mean, like that car was sort of mini Mercedes, wasn't it? It was like it was taking advantage of the strength of the power unit at the time when it was new. Yeah. And Massa and Bottas were both regularly on that podium behind the Silver Arrows, more often than not. So I would say between them, they've probably got the best out of that car. And it's so either way, downhill it's a long from there, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I totally agree with you, Stu. It's like they, 
but money is not as much of a worry for them these days. They need someone who's just going to do the most the car can do. And Yeah, and then the money will come because they'll do better in the championship. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. right now, I don't know who that is given who's who's left. Like I, as as much yeah, as I'd like well, to see I mean, Sargent on the grid, I don't think a rookie's going to be able to do that. I don't think Mick Schumacher's the person to do that. No. Mick Schumacher needs to be in that team for like at least a year before he's going to be even getting close to getting the maximum out of a car. We've seen, we've said many times on here, we've seen it firsthand. He is not a driver who can just get in a car and be fast. He needs yeah. time yeah. to adapt to it. He needs time to get used to it. And I think if he ever does get the right car, then, you know, watch out because he... He can be really, really good, but yeah, he's shown in junior formula that he can be. Yeah, I think a bit yeah. of stability in rule set is going to help him a little bit. So if he can manage to keep a seat, yeah, yeah, which kind of leads us on to the other open seat on the grid, which is Haas, which people now seem to think it's between Schumacher and Hulkenberg for the Haas seat. Like, this is going to prove an unpopular thing to say, but I am not interested in Nico Hulkenberg coming back to Formula One now. Like he's. He's been the super sub. That was fun. He's done all that stuff. He's been a Formula One driver. Let someone else have a go. Let some of the young people have a go. Like, you I can't just have, like, you. there's so few seats. You can't have people just coming back all the time. Like, get get new, fresh talent in. Like, I, I said much the same when Alonso came back. And to be fair, I think Alonso has provided quite a lot of entertainment since he's come back i don't necessarily begrudge him but i don't think that proves like yeah yeah magnuson coming back was fun but is he really bringing that much to the party like i like the guy and i like nico hulkenberg and it's fun to see those sort of guys doing well but like would i rather have some of the like queue of young talent or some of the indycar drivers who could come over like that would be such a more exciting prospect than oh Hulkenberg's back again. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a fear of the unknown from a team perspective, isn't it? Like Hulkenberg, to a degree, is a known quantity, like which is kind of proven by being that super sub, like Stu mentioned. So I can see why he appeals to a Haas or a Williams type team because yeah, they gain something in that is a known quantity with experience that. Yeah, they can probably work with quite quickly, and so I definitely get the appeal, but I would also prefer to see, especially in a team like like that, that you know, is ideal for a younger driver to kind of forge their craft in and and learn the sport and then show themselves the potential to move up, like I think a little bit higher up the grid, it's more understandable to not take a rookie off the bat mm. in, in straight into a seat but yeah with those teams like especially like Magnussen with Hulkenberg next to him uh, he's not going to achieve anything that Magnussen can't achieve on his own with a rookie next to him in my opinion um, and to a degree I would say the same with Albon like I think Albon brings enough to the table for Williams to have gotten to where they are and at the minute and then continue developing because yeah. Albon's not exactly a sluggish driver is in. I think with a rookie next to him, he's not going to be any worse. If it, you know, if anything, it might be better than having Latifi next to him. 
Yeah, well, that's where the sort of gets bit of pushing along statement comes from, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. It's like, you know, someone who's ready to get the teeth into a, into a drive yeah. and, um, like, for them, it's like, well, this guy's driven next to Verstappen at Red Bull. Like, if I can finish ahead of him at the end of the season, like, what, you know, where do I, you know, where do I stack up then? Like, there's an incentive there for a young driver to really have a go at that Williams seat. So I prefer someone like that to get it than, same with the Haas one. I prefer someone that's like a young driver coming through. Um, yeah. Otherwise, we're well, just going mean, to be a grid full of people point, that we've already seen. Exactly. You made the point that they've got what they need in terms of longevity with Magnussen. You know, they, they don't need yeah. to, you don't, they don't, the, the qualities that um, Hulkenberg brings to the table aren't necessarily required at Haas. So it no. would be kind of like pointless to bring him in. Mm. That's, for me, that is absolutely a young driver's seat. Who that young driver is, I don't know. But it's, I would rather a young. We, I think we're all in agreement. We'd rather a young driver in there than than an old I, name. I wonder what why if Ferrari aren't trying to get someone like Schwartzman in that seat. Uh, yeah, what the has seat? Yeah, like they've obviously got a close yeah. relationship with the team. If if I were Ferrari and I really thought Schwartzman was someone worth, you know, investing in, I'd be paying his wages to sit in that other has seat for sure. Possibly, um, I mean, part part of me wants Schumacher to keep that seat and let him have like, I guess, kind of want you know, like if I was Haas, I'm not overly disappointed with Mick at the minute. If if disappointed, disappointed wouldn't even be the word. Like, yeah, at the start of the season, there was a lot of only got himself to blame accidents, but he's on top of that now. Like that's not happening anymore, and he's. He's putting in decent performances and kind of closing that gap up to Magnussen, I would say. And yeah. He's had some decent qualifying um, positions. He's starting to show a bit of racecraft and stuff. I would like, I wouldn't be so quick to discount him from having a seat. And for Haas, it's like a known quantity in terms of he already knows the team. He can work well with the team. But like, we, we, you know, it's a marriage of convenience, I guess, at that point. Like, yeah. He is still developing and he, he is still I think the thing is for me, while ever he's sort of growing and on that upward curve, he's worth keeping hold of because you never know, like next season might be the season where it just clicks and like yeah. he's suddenly this he's suddenly at the point that we've seen him in F two when he was in F two and F three Euros before that. Um like if and they'd be kicking themselves if the, if they'd have not had that and it, it, it ends up there. like imagine he goes to Williams and it clicks at Williams immediately and he's, yeah. he's in that position has to be kicking himself if, if I were Haas I'd keep hold of Schumacher for, and give him a one year contract and base it you know base a renewal on his performance in 2023 mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'd say I don't see a better option for them right now no I don't think someone like Hulkenberg is really going to gain them much than Keeping Schumacher would nothing, nothing more than Magnussen. He's already given them. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to, you don't need two people delivering exactly the same thing, do you? So exactly, yeah. Right. Should we talk about the United States Grand Prix? Yes, it's an exciting prospect. This one, I think, off track more than on track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 finish with the off track stuff, I guess. Let's do some on track storylines first. 
Um, I guess the big one is, is there any way Red Bull are not going to win their first constructor title since 2013? Ferrari need to outscore them by 19 points to stop them doing that. Hmm. Not impossible. Not impossible. But it's a tough one, this. I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite sure where the form form is between the top three teams for this one. Tough race to read, isn't it, this one? Yeah, really tough one. Didn't Verstappen win it last time and we were quite surprised that he won it? Yeah. Well, I'm, I, feel, I feel like the USGP last year was one of those where we were like, oh, if Verstappen wins there, we'd be yeah. quite surprised <laughs> <laughs> that he doesn't win a world title. That was, It was one of those. From Stu. Yeah, if, if, if Verstappen <laughs> wins this one, he will win the world title. Yeah, it was one of those. I'm sure it was. I was surprised oh, you missed the chance to yeah, yeah bring that back last weekend. <laughs> if Red Bull don't get penalised in any meaningful way <laughs> using the cost cap, then Verstappen will, at the end of this season, win the world championship. He hasn't Last actually year. won the world championship yet, has he? Because the season hasn't finished. So yeah, right technically birthday. not. Technically not. Yeah. So all this talk of new world champion, the prizes aren't handed out until October. Well, after the season ends at the prize winning gap. Yeah, it's December uh, or January. Oh, time, he's only he? the champion elect Eccleston over here. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly <laughs> that. That's, that's my middle name. Well, I mean, we have to wait until the following October to find out who really won a championship these days anyway, don't we? So. That's true. That is yeah. true. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, next one. What will happen next in what's probably the most exciting battle left, which is the fight for fourth in the constructors between Alpine and McLaren? I think it's like a four-point gap or something now, maybe a couple more. Seems to be yeah. swinging backwards and forwards. Hopefully we'll like... see it. Hopefully they'll show us the, their That'd be nice. Yeah. racing over the weekend. I feel like McLaren have done well at this track in recent years, but then the Alpine does seem to have made a step forward the last few races. So it's going to be a tie on that. Yeah, I think... Very tight. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird one at Alpine though as well because you've got... It's at what point does Fernando Alonso like check out if he's not already? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so... And does Fernando Alonso tank uh, the season for what he's going to be a rival team to him next year. Yeah. It would be a very Alonso move to do, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, next... where, where, did it, where did it stand at the minute? Sorry, just quickly. Which way around the are they right gap. now? Mm. Alpine are ahead. I want to say it's like four or five points, maybe. It's not a huge amount. Then at this point, I would say if they're ahead, I think even if it goes back and forth a couple of times, I can see them holding on to it, I would say. Oh no! I've done the service. It's thirteen points. It's the they're thirteen points ahead still. Yeah, Alpine. Yeah, I could see them holding on to that. I could see Ricardo's enthusiasm dwindling more and more as the season goes on, and I can see Alonso slowly mentally checking out of I don't have anything <laughs> to do with this Alpine team anymore. So, so it's basically Norris versus Ocon. It's Norris versus yeah. Ocon, yeah. And although I would rate Norris as a better driver due to my bias. I would say <laughs> the, there's enough in the Alpine probably to to outdo that talent in the minute. Yeah, would you say it's car versus driver from from one set one from to the Alpine car versus the McLaren driver? 
I think that's harsh mm. on Ocon and then also harsh on the McLaren car. But I think if you were to sort of balance it, I would say the McLaren situation is like, say, 60 in Lando's favour when you compare him to the car. And then Ocon's is like 60-40 the other way. It's not like Ocon's terrible, but he's got a better car, I would, I would say right now. Mm. The recent developments well, I, I, to the Alpine, I think, being... have taken them ahead of it. Yeah, I can't see there being much more development now for either of these two teams. Either. That well, no, that's the other factor, so. isn't it? That the, it's flyaways now officially, isn't yeah. it? So like, I I can't see many more developments coming, and I think that the recent stuff to Alpine made them that like just that tiny step above the McLaren. So I think he's got a slight edge in that department. It's exciting to see how this one's going to pan out, isn't it? It is. Yeah. The other sort of most exciting thing, I guess, in the championships is second place in the drivers. So Perez is currently second. So he'll obviously be looking to extend his lead over that. Red Bull would very much like a one-two in the drivers as well as the constructors, I think. Uh, Do you think he can do it? Do you think he can hold Leclerc off for second place? He's got the car capable of doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this is definitely... You know, car versus driver, isn't it? Yeah, that this is an even more obvious example. Again, yeah. not to do Checo a discredit because he is a good driver, but this is this not his own, car. Yeah, if he if he car. if yes. he was if he was going toe to toe with Leclerc solidly week in week out in the same car, Leclerc would beat him more often than not. But oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the, I think I can go with that. Checo like kind of evens that out, I guess, with the advantage that the Red Bull has over the Ferrari. Ferrari seem to have chilled out a bit with the massive cock-ups in recent races as well. So hopefully that'll continue to the end of the season as well. I think the pressure's gone away, hasn't it? That's why. <laughs> well, yeah, they, that's they know. True. They know it's. They, they knew it was over a couple of races ago. So there's once the pressure's off, then a lot less mistakes made because people are, are, are much more focused on just doing their jobs and, you know, not worrying yeah. about the consequences of getting things wrong. There are That's no consequences point. really now if they get things wrong. They're tied up. I mean, there is third in the, con- the second in the constructors to go for because it's not that far apart between Mercedes and Ferrari, although it does look more likely Ferrari will end second. But, you know, a few, few more cock-ups from Ferrari than you could be falling into the clutches of Mercedes. Well, that brings us nicely on to, will the warmer conditions in Austin help out Mercedes? Because switching the tyres on has been one of their big problems this year. So I would suspect Austin and Mexico City tend to be warmer races, probably helps them out a little bit. Not sure how well the circuits are going to suit that car, but... Mm, I don't know. I f- well, Mercedes seemed to come back into it a bit in Silverstone, and this is quite a Silverton, Silverstone-esque track, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, places. Sector 1 yeah. is Silverstone. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of imitation there, isn't there? Yeah. The most sincere um, form of flattery. So I think the Mercedes can potentially do all right this race. I think it could. we could be looking at down the barrel of like a really, really tight qualifying, like a freeway fight for qualifying would be lovely. And then, um, you know, a free a freeway race win fight would be fantastic to watch. I think yeah. that's what sort of really the the interest now to what, at the top of the field is in, towards the end of the season is just, give you know, give us some good races. Give us some 
everyone needs to sort of keep their keep themselves in gear and and keep their momentum going into the end of this season and going into next season because if you just if you take your foot off the gas now then it's just it's going to take so long for them to get going again and you just in formula one you can't afford that kind of break you really need to just be maximum attack 100 percent of the time so especially if you're going to beat verstappen and red bull yeah absolutely let's hope so eh? for a bit bit Mm. of a some closer fights towards the end yeah 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 and then finally, which I think is sadly going to be the overarching stuff this whole weekend, Can't wait. are we going to actually get any more news on the cost cap breaches <laughs> and potential penalties? Because this is going to be the first time anyone's really been interviewed face-to-face since we yeah. found out. The, look, Zach Brown has already come out and said um, the Red Bull breach constitutes cheating. Um, as we speak... F1 Anshul doping is trending on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, like this is obviously far from over. I've kind of taken like a little bit of a F1 holiday this week. I don't know if you've been able to tell, but I've been quite quiet this episode. <laughs> um, just because I'm waiting for, you know, Friday when, well, probably Thursday when all the press conferences happen and everyone's kicking off about, you know, what everyone's going to set out their stall aren't they everyone's going to say Mm -hmm. what they think and why they think um why and how they think red bull should be punished i do think every team they're all gonna have to be really careful because every team this this isn't if this is an interpretation thing every team is going to be playing that book close to the sun shall we say like they're all going to be you know like interpreting things in questionable ways it's just how questionable and how far over the line of, of each of them gone. Obviously, none of them, other than Red Bull, have gone over that line, according to the FIA. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if any more information comes out about what, in fact, has been breached from Red Bull's side or how the breach has come about. Um, and I'm really interested to see what all of the team principals think and how they're going to angle mm. angle this and, and sort of what punishments they feel teams deserve for for breaching these rules it was it was weird yeah. actually it was very noticeable immediately after the FYI statement came out all of the team principals all suddenly went very very quiet on it all having just been like spouting stuff for weeks they all went very quiet afterwards which I can only imagine was like the team lawyers saying we need to pipe down for a bit while everyone figures out legally where this all stands it's only really yeah. since Zach Brown has piped up in recent days that um they've started saying stuff again. Yeah, I yeah. think the other teams do need to play it carefully as well because I get that they want you know the team that's responsible for the breach to be punished, but depending on the the specifics of it, they're only opening themselves up to issues for themselves potentially at a later point you know if they had anything even remotely similar like they, they, and then they should be on the other foot in that scenario and they'll be like oh well it's in you know we interpreted this like this and we shouldn't be punished for that reason and they'll be like well wasn't that wasn't that way in 2022 when <laughs> the the initial findings yeah. of against red bull came out like so i think the team's do need to be very careful about how they go about 
petitioning to the FIA uh, as to what happens with Red Bull. But do you want to? Do you want to know what? I, the, the the radio silence doesn't fill me with any kind of confidence about the FIA and their decision making process. Let's put it that way. No, I mean they they, they have to be transparent though because they're gonna everyone's gonna kick off of what the teams are not gonna have it. The teams are just absolutely not going to no. have it. So I'm going to read you what Zach Brown thinks and and what, what Zach what Brown says. It's been a while. Yes, this is oh, Zach Brown. Yeah. Zach Brown claims. Zach Brown says <laughs> yeah. today. Yeah. Um, we suggest that the overspend should be penalised by way of reduction to the team's cost cap in the year following the ruling, and the penalty should be equal to the overspend plus a further fine, i.e., an overspend of two million in 2021, which is identified in 2022 would result in a 4 million deduction in 2023, 2 million to offset the overspend plus the 2 million fine. But this is the interesting bit. For context, 2 million is a, a, oh, sorry, excuse me. For context, 2 million is a 25 to 50% upgrade to an annual car development budget and hence would have a significant positive and long lasting benefit. So he's he, what he's saying there is that that's basically minimum quarter of your upgrade budget for the year that's quite a lot yeah that is a lot because it's, it's easy to think like oh it's it's just five percent of the total but it's not that's five percent of the entire team's outgoing so it's not it's not just that budget cap doesn't just cover the car it's yeah pretty much everything so yeah i hadn't thought of it in in, in those terms that is really interesting mm. i think you can expect to see quite a lot of of sort of it's going to be interesting because we're going to find out more about how teams work financially i think from this mm. like it's going to reveal sort of or at least teams are going to come come out with numbers explaining what two million pounds constitutes in terms of their yeah their overall budget for a car over a season just yeah. like zach brown's done here so you know it could be that certain teams are spending a lot more than two million well well uh it'd be eight million wouldn't it if it was 50 percent on upgrading their car over a year, it could be that te- some teams are spending a lot less. Like Williams are not going to be spending eight million upgrading their car a year, I don't think. Yeah, but, Josh um, Capital sat there going, "How much?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's it is, an interesting yeah. time. Like Zach might have given away a bit more than he intended to with a comment like that. Yeah, totally. And I do, I do hope we, as part of this, find out kind of where because obviously Red Bull have said no, we don't think we did. So there's obviously some level of disagreement there in how the rules been interpreted, and I do hope we find out what that interpretation is. Like obviously, there's there was all the rumors about oh it was catering overspend, a lot of the rumors as well. Because is it the top three salaries in a each team aren't covered? Am I right in saying that? I can't remember the specifics. I'm honest, so the top so two or gonna... three earners in in the team, uh, their salaries don't come under the budget cap. And some rumors say that Adrian Newey has been paid as a outside contractor. So they've kind of gone around the salary part of it that way was another rumor. But again, like it's all conjecture well, if, at the if moment. That's, if that's true, they'll have a lot more than the uh, the FIA on their back. They'll have HMRC on their back. Well, <laughs> actually, yeah, that's a good point. No, they're probably paying him through the Cayman Islands or something. So he's fine. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's it's such a it's difficult situation. There's no good outcome that everyone's going to like. I mean, 
that sounds obvious to say, but like the FIA have kind of got themselves in an impossible position here. I do think they're going to use the it's a different interpretation argument as an excuse been... to not deduct yeah. points, take championships away. Um, they've been a they've been teeing that up for a while. I think. Yeah. I think you know, the, the, yeah. definitely they've been laying the groundwork for rules of interpretation. Red Bull certainly we inter you know from day one it's been we interpret this, we interpret that. We've yeah. got a very we've have our own interpretation of what these blah blah blah. But the thing is, they've had they've already had a year of dummy financial. You remember they had a whole year before this yeah. where they wait they did a did an experiment essentially a dry run of these rules to figure out if they were going to have any issues. So there really shouldn't be any interpretation issues at this point. Like they should, Un- a lot of that would have been cleared up. So, yeah. Unless, and this wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, They've been keeping the FIA, it, well, the FIA has made in nowhere clear what was and wasn't passed in the dry run. Do you know yeah. What I mean? like, so so for, for example, every team might have actually come under that cap, but then they've not told them how or why they've not told them yeah or or some might have even gone over and they've not divulged exactly how they've gone over yeah. like we don't we don't know to what extent the fia fed back to the teams that's true but, i mean it'd be a bit pointless though wouldn't it doing a drive or if they've if changed anything anyone. i guess as well that's the other factor is has anything been changed that's i mean true. we're talking about the fia here who can't write a rule that says <sighs> something straightforward to save their lives nothing in that rule book is straightforward i was was thinking more about that leclerc perez thing last week and i still don't agree with you (laughs) (laughs) but um, i think the um uh the i I think what's the point in having a dry run if you're not going to give if you're not going to feed back to the team you're right i mean we live in a world where the fia are so you're what you're saying is they're so useless that they might not have use their dry run properly aren't you that's that's effectively what what you're saying yeah, in 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 like the most simple terms yeah I'm, I'm saying that this could quite easily be as much the fia's fault as it is anyone else's and i, I genuinely yeah. wouldn't be surprised if that's the case hmm. i mean and chris you say the f ball the, the f ball that the, the <laughs> fia have um <laughs> backed themselves into a corner that wasn't in, that genuinely wasn't intentional um <laughs> I don't believe they have backed themselves into a corner. They've got a rule set that has been breached and they just have to implement a, a punishment onto the team that's breached the rules, right? I mean, that's not being I backed mean, into it, a corner. That's just... It is, but they, by not saying what the penalties would be up front, mm. they now are retroactively deciding on a penalty. And... Yeah, which is never the way it should be done. Oh, it's like we were saying after the last race, like... Sorry, oh, after Singapore, like it was very convenient that they waited until after the race to decide what penalty to give Perez, at which point they already knew how many seconds he had won by. And it's kind of the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like when you're retroactively giving a penalty, knowing how that penalty will affect things, it doesn't feel yeah, like yeah. a way to be going about it. Ex- exactly. And re- regardless of whether the outcome is there because it's desired to be so or not, you've opened yourself up to that interpretation immediately. By not having a a defined penalty in place before it happens, it doesn't matter 
which of the teams it is that goes over it, whatever decision you make about the penalty will be deemed to either intentionally hinder or help that team based on how severe that decision yeah. is. And, and because people can instantly equate that decision to the situation, to the outcome and go, well, you know that that's not going to actually affect any of the championships. You've been lenient on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I people can instantly make that. This yeah. is an issue that's endemic within the rule set of the, the whole of F1. So there's so many rules that are open for interpretation that don't have clear punishments, that have yep. selective punishments or have varied mm-hmm. punishments for the exact same infringement. And you just like, you know, let, let's let's illustrate, let, let's bring an on-track sort of case into it. And I think the Perez-Leclerc thing is an interesting case, regardless of, of your opinion on it, because there are plenty of cases where drivers have done exactly what Leclerc did in Monaco, in... Uh, Abu Dhabi, all you know, throughout the years, how many years? How many drivers have you seen go straight on at the, at the after the tunnel at Monaco and not lose a position? Just carry on and just carry on and not yeah. get, get a punishment. Um, and how you know, uh, on, on this occasion, Perez, is, uh, sorry, uh, Leclerc has been punished for it, and on other occasions, we've seen drivers be punished for it as well. But we've also seen lots of occasions where drivers haven't been punished for it, and that's just a weird <laughs> situation to be in. You could say the same for Leclerc's defense of Perez. We saw, we've seen occasions where Perez himself has done crazy, crazy, crazy defensive moves, I think. Um, just look at Abu Dhabi again last year when he was defending against Hamilton to slow him down. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. And, yeah, I mean, even even, Ma- even Max, Max has, how, how much yeah. trouble did Max used to They've get into for like aggressively moving across people yeah. just Hamilton, before breaking Hamilton. zone? Hamilton had um, had Rosberg off the road in uh, Bahrain a number of times. Yeah, <laughs> a few yeah. years ago, and I think it's, 2016. It's, and like the drivers have said it plenty of times, like just give us a set of rules to compete to, and the confidence that those rules will be the same every weekend. And yeah, to go back to your point, like we get into the same situation now with the sort of higher level rules that the teams are competing at, and it's yeah. Just it's all weird. a bit silly. It's um, ridiculous, isn't it? Just have a rule set <laughs> yeah. that works and that has clear defined punishments. I think that the, the counter argument to the defined punishments thing is, if, we, if we're being all things being equal, is if teams, especially at a team level, the the teams can factor into their development and to their their running of their team and and their competition in this within the sport over a season those punishments. So we saw it with we've seen it with engine penalties. So they take yeah. the penalty at the most yeah. at the time it, adv- it take, gives them an advantage. So if you apply that logic to the financial regulations, then suddenly you've got teams deliberately overspending, knowing that they can put this part on their car, and then they, if they say it's a constructors' points or or, a, or a overall teams' points deduction, they know that that if that development brings so much to the car and they can finish the season. They're confident they can get ten points ahead of their rivals, or well, more than ten points ahead of their rivals by the end of the season. Then they're going to apply the update because they know they're only going to lose yep. ten points. So it's a catch twenty-two almost, isn't it? By by not telling them the rules, you leave yourself open to criticism, and people are always going to. You're never going to please everyone on how you apply these punishments, but. On the other hand, if everyone knows what the punishment is going to be, then they can plan for it. And at the same time, you don't want that either, do you? So where where's the line? Because mm. it is a good point. Like we're so used to engine penalties now, it's easy to forget that 
every time a team takes an injury penalty, that is because they have broken the rules. Like the rules say you are allowed (laughs) to use this many engine components. And every time they go over it, they are breaking the rules, but they know what the penalties are. So they are just strategizing around those penalties, factoring them into their plan for the whole season. But that's because they know exactly what the penalties are going to be. And And the the interesting thing is no one calls that cheating. No. Because everyone's doing it. Yeah. (laughs) But it 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 kind of is, yeah. It's kind of cheating. And... Again, like you can apply that same logic to to these financial rules. You know, you've got uh, Zach Brown literally coming out in his letter to the FIA calling it cheating, mm. and yet you know he's his team have taken engine penalties and and mm-hmm. and sort of used the applied those had those penalties applied at the time when it's the most advantageous for that taken them when it's advantageous for them, which is breaking the rules. <laughs> right like yeah yeah it's it's sanctioned rule breaking is what it is and and it's again it's endemic in formula one there's so many there's so many of these rules even on even driver standards and things like there's so many things drivers do everything they can to drivers leave the track all the time that's against the rules yeah and yet they they sometimes they're penalized sometimes they're not penalized but as soon as they find out they're not it's like every single lap like we love to talk about it when um indycar first went to circuit of the americas and they just didn't bother with like the last one corner (laughs) yeah it's crazy isn't it it is i'm I'm fascinated to see what everyone has to say about it over this weekend and the way the the fia are going to contort themselves to to explain yeah thing as well. still Bull. yeah there's still absolutely no indication of when we're going to find anything out from the fia hopefully it's not too soon maybe they'll wait till the season's over and hope people are paying less attention we'll see mm. i Final mean that, that wouldn't be the first point. time they've ever done that would it nope wouldn't also i find it strange that the fia was so sort of vehement in their criticism of of the media and of of, of people talking about this <laughs> yeah. as though it was sort of a load of rubbish and it wasn't true and then lo and behold the statement comes out and oh actually it was true <laughs> yeah turns out it was That's strange why, why did they have to say the things that they said why, why didn't they just keep their mouth shut and just release yeah. the statement like why did they have to get involved in that way it's so weird they love to stick their oar in but say yeah. nothing constructive in the process yeah it's they're like almost carony about it aren't they like, it's weird it's like having an angry parent running a sport <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> and we're all the kids competing in the sport. All the teams are all the kids competing yeah. in the sport. It's literally like, it's like Sunday League. Like kids Sunday League sport. Crazy. Anyway. <laughs> right. Should we move back to this weekend and do some yeah. predictions? Yeah. Let's do some predictions. So for those who have not been here for the whole season, you can head to backofthegrid.com and register for predictions and get involved with this as well. Always worth doing because there is a prize if anyone manages five out of five. Had nowhere near as many this year, though, which is surprising, I think, with the run Verstappen's been on. Not been as yeah, many as last guess, year, has there? Which is a bit I guess there's been enough uncertainty. So well, yeah. Qualifying is a bit of the most difficult one, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, Speaking of... Yeah. Speaking of, so first thing we will go through is fastest in Q3. Um, Chris, do you want to go first on this one? No, I don't, actually. Oh, okay, Stu, do you want to go first on this one? 
Why are you the FIA suddenly? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Chris can go, I'll, actually. Go on. Um, <laughs> okay, Chris, do you want to go first on this one? Again, you asked me if I want to. And I know at this point it doesn't make a difference. But this is the thing. like, Just because this you don't want it. Yeah. When you ask. <laughs> just because you don't want it doesn't mean that you can say to the sporting regulation that you don't want it and you're not and you, and you don't have to accept it you have to accept the rules we do we do things properly around it i'm fine with protest okay. i'm gonna write a letter yeah, yeah. chris um, you must go first <laughs> who's it gonna be it's a really hard one uh i'm gonna go for leclerc it was almost okay. part of me that wanted to go for a mercedes but that might be reaching a bit much i think still to be different and because i've got nothing to lose i'm gonna say <laughs> hamilton why not <laughs> it'd be funny and just so we've got the trifecta i'll say verstappen yeah number one drivers mix it up a bit yeah uh winner i'm just gonna be really boring and say verstappen again i've reached a point where i just need to try and earn like safe points now so i'm not going hmm. too bold um Stu, what about you um. Well, there's off. We've had. Have we had safety cars at this race? Very often? Safety not, cars aren't that often, really. Here, not super from, common. I don't it's think. quite Memory. well put together this circuit, isn't it? In terms of like not. There's a lot of runoff and a lot of um. Yeah, a lot of kind of escape roads for the drivers to get down if yeah. they're having an incident. Hmm. So. Um. Because of that, I actually, if Hamilton get pole position, I think he could win the race. So, and because again, because I've got nothing to lose, it's more whoever is double on pole ham. can win. It's more whoever's on pole, yeah, first double ham for a long time. Um, it's more whoever's on pole can win the race because there's less likely to be safety car nonsense to mess things up for people. Yeah, and we've seen this season, I think, more than most, or certainly the last couple of seasons, more than most, that safety cars do have big impact now on yeah. because the field is so tight at the top this last two seasons they are having big impacts on races so yeah, yeah that's my logic chris i think i'm gonna go over Stappen as well interesting don't think leclerc can see it through you've got to go off the evidence haven't you that's true i mean you only have to look at the current run of form that Verstappen's on to, <laughs> to, to work that one out. Um, okay, first DNF. I'll go first on this one. Um, uh, just because it's a home race for the team, Kevin Magnussen. It's usual logic. Stop working for me as well this, this season, though. That. Yeah. But, it's not been quite as um, much heartbreak this year in that respect. No, sadly not. <laughs> uh, Chris, what about you? Um, Ocon. He's been on a good run. Stu, some bad luck. And <laughs> Stu? I'm going to go Gasly. And Chris. You'll, you'll see why. Oh. <laughs> okay. Chris, number of finishes? It's usually pretty high here, isn't it? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, 18. I'm going to go big. I was going to go the same. I think I might just end up copying you. I'm also going to go 18. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. 
Stu. I'm gonna go seventeen. And then a random driver. It could be one of two. I think we'd said earlier. Yeah, we're down down to two. We have we to... Are down to two, which is why I've got Gasly as my first. <laughs> and it is Gasly. Oh, twentieth. <laughs> okay, so it's money mouth in that one. Yeah, twentieth place for Gasly. Um, I've done my research. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. His his form's been a bit all over this season, Breaks hasn't are it? Not very good on that Alpine at the moment as well. No. Alpine. Oh. Alpine, sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> Too many A teams. Next these year. Days. A lot of A teams. Yeah, Aston Martin, Alpha Tauri. <laughs> and he's also going to be at Alpine next year. So yeah. there's that. Uh, I'm going to go for just in the points in 10th. I'll go just outside in 11th. Oh, that's where I was. I, I couldn't <laughs> decide. Oh, I'll be so upset if it is 11th. Okay, that is us done. Um, so, if you would nice. like to submit your own predictions and essentially prove us wrong, you're welcome to do so. That's backofthegrid.com. Uh, always worth registering before, as I mentioned, because there is a prize if you manage a clean sweep of five out of five in a weekend. Should we do some inbox, gentlemen? Let's. Let's. Keep it safe now. Stay, stay out. Hey, man. Who's up first? I'll go first. Um, I've been very quiet this episode for the most part. Uh, Kilowog says, looking ahead, which of the remaining races would you project as our most likely to have a non-Red Bull or Ferrari winner? And who would you predict? Um, Mercedes <laughs> in the USA Grand Prix, maybe? <laughs> Back in the USA. I like that. <laughs> I think... I think Mercedes have missed all their best chances to win a race this year. Um, I I think their last two hopes, mm, I the last two hopes probably these next two races, maybe Abu Dhabi, but that's Red Bull are pretty damn good around there, aren't they? I'm gonna throw Sao Paulo into the mix for this one. Yeah, actually, Brazil, yeah, Brazil could be a good one Bra- for them if this is the weather that we sometimes get there that time of year, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that'll be my submission for this. Um and I would probably go with one of the Mercs, more than likely Hamilton, I think. If it's if it if it is that, if it's Sao Paulo and it's like something like the weather that plays into it to to help, I would say it's Hamilton over Russell in a Merc that's gonna win that. That would be my guess. Yeah. USA or Sao Paulo is is uh, sensible. Yeah. 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 Next one. Uh, next from Wesley. With reports out there that Mick needs to score points in order to keep his seat, what kind of odds would you put on him being able to accomplish that and sticking around for another season? Mm. Odds on him scoring points. I mean, he's had a couple of points finishes, hasn't he? It's not like he's not had them yet this year. He um, has. And... I mean, I say he's not that far behind Magnussen. He's 10 points behind Magnussen, but when you're only in the points two or three times over the course of the season, that's actually quite a lot of points, really, isn't it? In in that type of scenario. Um, 
I would say if he can leapfrog Stroll, who is above him, in in what I would say is on their given day about equal cars because they both seem to have their up and downs. Like Haas have had the moments where they've looked really good and Aston Martin have had times where they've sort of performed but then lost it in race pace and vice versa, like not turned up in quality but then had decent race pace. Like they're both teams that seem to be like bouncing up and down in terms of form. So I would say if he could get enough points to outscore Stroll for what's left of the season, mm-hmm. that that would be enough. I don't want to put a number on like five points, ten points, whatever. But I think if he could leapfrog Stroll to finish like behind his teammate, I would say that's enough. I mean, I'm the guy that already wants to keep him and give him one more year. So one more year, <laughs> yeah. one, yeah, more, one year. more year. I do think as well the he needs to score points argument is a little unfair because the team have let him down quite a few times, especially in the second half of this season. I think there's mm. been a few opportunities where he's been like in the mix for the low end of the points and strategically they've let him down a bit. So to just say, oh, he's not scored points, he's out, seems unfair. Yeah. Mm, but then he did snap two Haas's in half as well, didn't he? Yep, and he did also... I mean, we were talking about him crashing less. Let's not forget he also crashed in Japan on the slowdown lap after the checkered flag in... Uh, what was it? Practice... Practice two, I think, wasn't it? Did practice he? three, yeah. Yeah, it was after the check. That's wasn't it? Yeah. you know, the, I think conditions were mitigate, mitigating circumstances pretty there, bad. Yeah. To be fair to him, but, do you know? I mean, the, do you know what's Carlos weird? Sainz spun in the race and was out of the race, so you know. You know how we talk about the fact that um, he's like broken a lot of cars this year. Mm-hmm. He's actually only had two retirements officially. I mean, some of them are possibly classified finishers. I genuinely can't be bothered to dig deeper than that to check. But he actually genuinely has two retirements. Trouble is, he does live his crashing in practice, doesn't he? Well, that's yeah, where you want to do does... it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I in suppose. an age where we where we compete in a supposed budget cap, then you you want to lose as few parts as possible, don't you? Because oh, yeah. we thought repairs in practice didn't count towards the budget. <laughs> yeah, you know. We outsource them. The catering team are working on the repairs. <laughs> That's why it costs so much. Hey, I hate that argument. I absolutely hate the case. <laughs> don't mention catering teams to me, all right? Um, <laughs> so read the next wrong. one then and the get you away one. from yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff on. says, oh, this is this is already opening with a bold statement. Yeah. Jeff says, when Ferrari win this Sunday, will it be a case of too little, too late, or starting to work on next season's performance improvements, or a case of a Red Bull backing down on performance because they've got it sealed and want to stay quiet because of the budget? <laughs> Interesting question. I don't see Red Bull slowing down. Well, we've we've never seen post winning the championship Verstappen before. Like famously. Hamilton won many, many titles and then didn't win a race for the rest of that season. I think eventually a couple of years ago, he did win another race after he won the championship. But we've never seen Max in this position before. So maybe he will take his foot off the gas a little bit. I'd be surprised if he did. But I don't think he has that sense. Yeah. 
he's very competitive, isn't he? Very competitive. Yeah. Sometimes to a fault. And I think being on an, a seven... Oh, no, that's the team, though. Is it? I was going to say on a seven-race streak, but he's, yeah, he's not, not personally on a seven-race streak, is he? As a team. What is his... Oh, yeah, he can't be because of Singapore, obviously. That's, that's the... Yeah. Never mind. I was going to say... A chance to like kind of run at a streak, but Singapore mm. a couple of weeks yeah. ago scuppered that. Never mind. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't see Red Bull slowing down, and then Ferrari. I think uh, I, uh, it talks about performance improvements. I think all the performance improvements have come at this point for everyone now, especially now the champion the the big championship is wrapped up. I think you lower down teams, even them. You know the the money's been spent. If and, and if we're hearing yeah. from McLaren that they've only got what eight million a year to spend on upgrades, then that's that car's had some pretty substantial upgrades. It's had new floor. It's had all sorts added to it. So they've definitely spent their upgrade budget. You would have thought. But any more parts coming are probably like the final parts that are in development now or, or in manufacture now at this point in the season. Um, and it is flyaway races. So yeah unlikely to be seen anymore developments so too little too late maybe not but yeah. just uh, i think there's still you know bragging rights for winning races for all the teams and all oh, the drivers yeah, for sure and finishing ahead and each driver's got their own private competition going on with their teammate and yeah certain drivers are fighting for their seats so yeah there's still there's still plenty to to fight for across the board definitely um next one Benson says, "I've seen, have seen the idea of returning to points for the top eight rather than the top ten, like we had between two thousand three and two thousand nine, due to there only being twenty cars on the grid instead of twenty six. Do you think this idea has any merit?" Nah, I don't really. Um... They brought um, t- the the twenty five points and top ten thing in because. For some reason, they had it in their they had it in their heads that they needed to put a bigger gap between first and second because people yeah. were trying to win races. <laughs> yeah, because they used to when it was when it was the top six that scored points way back in the day. It was ten for a win and six for second. Then when they extended to the top ten, they made it ten for first and eight for second. Yeah, and yeah. that's yeah, that's why, like you say, they wanted to like make the win more worthwhile. Yeah. which I which I think, I think was the right thing. Yeah, I think much like we always say about the current qualifying system, I think the current point system is absolutely fine. No need to mess with it. Don't have any issue with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Except for maybe award, awarding points for sprint races. Uh, I mean, that's a whole other thing, isn't it? I mean, is mm-hmm. it, we're getting six again next season now, aren't we? That seemed to go away for a while, so, but I think yeah. we're getting six. Ugh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've nailed on that it will be six. It's just the... The specific events to be confirmed. Yeah, and there's six sprint races. You mean, don't you? Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. might still change the point system or the qualifying relationship, and again, but, but yeah, we've 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 talked enough about that over the year. Let's yeah. wait until we've actually got some concrete facts before we talk about that anymore. Yeah. I'm <laughs> Stefano Domenicali, and I think sprint races are great, and I think all the fans think they're great as well. And we should have thirty races a year. Yeah. And everyone agrees with me. Go away. <laughs> I mean, te- technically, you, there will be 30 races next year because it's 24 yeah. events Actually, and yeah. six will oh, have a sprint. God. So races, yeah. technically oh, speaking, there are 30 <laughs> races. 
That's so <laughs> just literally like lent away from his like head in hands. Oh, great, yeah. great, great, great. <laughs> yeah, right. It should be the last question. I don't want to feel like I'm just complaining. Well, just like... to yeah, just to answer the question though. No, I think the point system is just fine the way it is. I, d- I don't think it needs to change. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, and none of that double point shenanigans that they tried that one time. Yeah, leave it alone. Bernie. Leave it alone. Final question this week from Max. Toto said that if Red Bull was given a slap on the wrist instead of an actual penalty, Mercedes would go over the budget cap next year. Do you think (laughs) he would actually go through with it? I mean, probably. It comes back to what Stu said, so probably, yeah. Like Stu's point earlier is totally valid that if there there is an argument to if you tell them what the punishment is in advance, they will weigh up how valuable it is to them to go over and receive that penalty for, for what they will gain, 100%. Um, I think the, the only thing that you could do is have something extremely severe as a punishment for even a slight breach in terms of monetary value. Yeah, or yeah. lower the threshold of, you know, lower the threshold of what constitutes a major overspend. Well, and yeah, because as, as, five, um, 5% is still a lot of money as we talked much, about last yeah. week Zach um, says that in his letter he says that it should be low to 2.5% to to make because it, the, the, the minor overspend is actually can be considered a major overspend yeah. also, spot the rich people that, writing the rules when they think yeah. 7 million is a minor yeah, amount know, right? Yeah. Um, and also I should point out I didn't say this earlier but he, do, he, he, he does have extra sort of sanctions in his letter as well for them he wants them to <laughs> get um a 20% reduction in CFD wind and wind tunnel time, and it should be enforced the following year to mitigate against the unfair advantage that a team has and will continue to benefit yeah. from, which I think makes sense. That, that That's similar to what I was saying a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, when, when it all yeah. first started coming out, is like what you need to do is kind of somehow mitigate, and whether that's taking prize money off them and spreading it further down the grid so that the other teams have opportunities to catch yeah, up or I taking really one like tunnel that. time off them or whatever. Take something away from them, but don't just take it away from them. Take it away from them and spread it out amongst the other teams. Mm-hmm. Because that that's an ultimate yeah. discouragement, I would say, because like how often are they get actually gonna breach it if every other te- or or like let every other well, I say let every other team spend that much more next year. Most teams won't even get close to the cap. So that doesn't really work. You'd you'd have to like do something like exclude them from CFD time and prize money and distribute that out to other people. But I do genuinely think that that's something that it's the only thing I can think of that would actually deter the teams other than full on exclusion from a championship. Yeah, not only do you get punished, but you're you're also handing a, a very tangible yeah. advantage yeah. to to all of your rivals. You even mm-hmm. well, especially even your most direct rival, rivals. And even if the lower teams don't quite make enough over over the course of a season to to reach that budget gap and take advantage of that extra that higher limit, still, you know, it still affects the t- the point of the rule isn't to benefit everyone else; it's to affect the team negatively. And yeah their nearest rivals if they've overspent are mm-hmm. gonna gain from them overspending exactly which yeah you, you do not want as a formula one team do you so, no. No. Yeah. i think for, in in this case i think the most likely outcome is going to be a hefty fine some combination of um 
CFD I mean, time, is... win total time, maybe a reduction in their budget cap for next season. And then they will say, like, because this has come about around a misunderstanding of the rules, we're not going to be, you know, changing the previous results, but we are going to tighten up the wording of that and any future breaches will be dealt with harsher. I, th- I, th- I think, I don't agree with that, but that's how I think the FYI are going to land on this one. I think the problem of any future breaches will be dealt with harsher immediately and validates the whole point of the system. Yeah, I agree. Whatever punishment they come up with needs to be the punishment for the same thing later down the line. Yeah. The, o- how... the only way they'll get away with anything even remotely like that is if they adjust what is considered a minor and a yeah. major breach. I think it and, depends and what on they... how convincing Red Bull's we interpreted it differently argument is. Because we sure don't know exactly what the argument is yet yeah. and how much of a leg they have to stand on there. I don't know. Well, I think uh, to a lot of people, it's just you've overspent, therefore you've broke the rules. I think it's black and white for a lot of people. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's the sort of thing that looks really bad on the sport. If you've got one per, one team mm-hmm. spending more money than everyone else, even though there's a there's quite a you know finite budget cap there that you shouldn't go over. And they've found a way of going over it and tried to get over it without sort of tried to wangle the accounts to make it so that they didn't go over it is what it looks like from the outside to everyone watching the sport. And it's not a good look for the sport. Yeah. So and like these fans, like people, are, people are not going to tune in to watch this kind of egregious rule break. If it, if it is, you know, that amount of money, then people are going to tune out, man. People, people mm-hmm. are already, a lot of people are already sort of really disheartened with this sport anyway, and for various reasons. And if this kind of thing carries on, if the rules continue to be broken, if rules continue to be interpreted in different ways and forgiven for some people, but not for others, then, you know, it just spoils the entire integrity of, of the rule set and of the sport. And it's just not, people don't want to see that. People want to see people competing on a level playing field and playing to the same rules that's what sport is all about absolutely Clearly defined parameters and boundaries that shouldn't be crossed and they're punishable when they are for everyone and yeah i think i think this is really i've said it multiple times now when we've been recording i think it's really 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 bad and it absolutely has to be punished to the maximum and i would say that about any team on that grid i would say this about as well not, yeah completely this is, this is not a Red Bull hate thing, which I don't actually hate. Red Bull, Red Bull, one of my favorite, been one of my favorite teams for, <laughs> for years and years and years. Believe it or not, um, but yeah, I mean, I can't abide this this level of sort of mismanagement within Formula One. Really, mm. out, out of interest, do you think, just as a like a out there kind of question, put it out there, do you think that other FIA based championships? and even championships outside of the FIA have anywhere near the level of rule issues and controversy that Formula One does, and if they don't, why? I think no, Mm. and I think it's because the kind of money that comes into Formula One and the, 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 the level of prestige to it and the level of... The exposure exposure the level of um the 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 number of minds involved in formula one 
means that whatever rule they make, someone's going to try away around that rule. I mean, a lot of people f- like Formula One because of the rule breaking thing, because of the, you know, using, playing the rules to your advantage and using them the best way possible, the most efficient way possible, this, that, and the other. And I think, I simply think that T racing teams in lower formulas just don't have the resource to break the rules in the same ways that Formula One teams mm. do. Yeah. So they don't have the resource to throw lawyers at a problem with the rules and interpret it a certain way. And, and they don't have the, the staff to take the time to to really study that rule set and find ways around rules in the same way that teams like Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari have been doing for years and years and years. McLaren, yeah. you know, all of them. Um, and I also think the kind of people who are competing, yes, you know, a lot of people in in lower tiers of motorsport are motivated and, uh, and you know, want to progress up to higher tiers of motorsport and they'll stop at nothing until they get that certain people. But I think the majority of people competing will stick, to, understand the rules and stick to the rules because they don't want to lose their credibility. And I think by the yeah. time you've got up to Formula One, then you you don't need to worry as much about that because you've already re- you've reached the top at that point, especially if you're in one of the top teams. Which I think is why you see teams like Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes throwing everything at sort of at the rule book to try and get around it because there's nothing to lose by doing it. They're all at it, so if you can't yeah, yeah. join them, it's a it's a cutthroat sport man like yeah. the margins are so fine it's all about like and a lot of other series tend to be far more to spec than formula one is but because well, formula one is, is so you know such marginal gains on you know they're finding like the weight of like nuts and bolts and stuff to like yeah, shave thousands of seconds. Like when you work into those fine margins, you're gonna find every tiny thing you can. Be just that stri- stripping paint off the yeah, shots. exactly. Most of the cars yeah. are just plain carbon at this point because they're saving like thousands of seconds that way. And when you when it's like that, yeah, they're gonna do it in a design sense, and they're gonna do it in a in a rule sense. Which I think is why this is also egregious. I think when you've got teams literally stripping paint off the car chassis because the gains are so marginal and then you've got another team overspending by potentially you know multiples of millions mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's, just absolutely I mean, outrageous on on a similar sort of note i guess you know the penalty for being overweight is a disqualification from the race yeah so why is it not straightforward to say uh, overweight underweight you mean uh, yeah, sorry, underweight. Is it, yeah, the, like, but the, the punishments regarding certain things like that, you know, not just that specifically either. It is disqualification from the race, regardless of where you finish. Doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the rules: if that car is weighed, you disqualified. Put it, I would definitely put this in that tier of kind of rule breaking. Yeah. Like you know, like it's that level of you know, your car is underweight, therefore you are disqualified. Your car is worth more than his, therefore well, yeah. more than anyone's. Therefore, you you did not have enough fuel left in your car for a sample. Yeah. You, therefore, yeah. you are disqualified. It's that. Like, I think it's is. Why that why are all those things so easy to alter the result and disqualify someone from? But spending what is upwards of four, five, six, seven million 
debatable. Well, it doesn't I mean, matter if it you're was talking. You're not. You're not. And just just to be clear, you're not talking about what Red Bull spent there. You're talking about the rule set rather than because Red Bull are only alleged to have spent about two million pounds. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Equates to I'm talking like dollars. What five percent lets you go up to about seven million over budget, doesn't it? I think about seven and a half. Well, that's I think. right. Seven and a half. Yeah, yeah dollars. That's, yeah. So that, that that's the more general point I was making yeah. is that you could spend anything up upwards of four, five, and even up to seven million. Yeah, but the punishment in theory is the same. Like, your entire that's, upgrade. That's if, you're McLaren, if you're McLaren, that's your entire yeah. upgrade budget. It's almost your full car. upgrade budget. It's He's wild. Saying... Absolutely wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we've uh, I think we've nailed that one, lads. <laughs> yeah. Well Let's hope that we have an exciting race this weekend so we have more than this to talk about <laughs> next week. I hope it doesn't rain. Please don't rain. It's, um, I've checked the weather earlier and it's very much not looking like it. And also, I just want to talk about the racing, please, this weekend. I mean, it's not going to be the case. It's good. Next week is definitely going to be more budget cap stuff because there's going to be more and more teams sort of coming out and saying different things. Probably, I think we have probably done enough budget, budget yeah, cap. Yeah, I think. Point, but there's definitely going to be nuggets of budget, un- budget Unless cap. there's like... Nuggets of budget. budget. Right, that's probably the point where we need to wrap up. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. We will be back in a week's time to hopefully review a very exciting United States Grand Prix. Please, please, please be a good Please, race. please. Uh, in the meantime, you can get in touch with us in all the usual ways. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and all those things, or backofthegrid.com where you can find a contact us form. You can also find the entry form for the Predictions League there. And you can also find a link to our Grid Rival League. Uh, we didn't mention it earlier, but uh, make sure you've entered your teams in that. I had a quick look at mine earlier, and all of my drivers have expired, so I need to come up with a whole yeah. new team for uh, for Good this weekend. Show. So, yeah, make sure you check that out as well. You can also find out how to get involved with our Discord and listen to the live recordings. Uh, just go to patreon.com forward slash back of the grid. And speaking of, we mentioned last week as well, but all the people on the Discord who are going to be at the race this weekend uh, have a great time. And wave your back the grid flags high so we can hopefully pick them out on TV again. Maybe get yeah. a a second back the grid appearance on official F1 TV streams. Yeah. But I think that's all for this week. So until next time, thanks again for joining us and goodbye. Bye everyone. Bye.